Hello and welcome to the first episode of There Will Be Film, a movie podcast here at WQSU 88.9 The Pulse. I'm Nick and I'm here with my friend... Charlie. Charlie. Uh, We're two movie buffs. Movie snobs. Sure. And um, (laughs) this is going to be a semi-regular podcast that will be... Full of movie news, reviews, nitpicky analysis, sometimes all of the above, sometimes all of the above at the same time, um, and it's, it's going to be a fun ride. Uh, if you want to hear about both the newest films that are just opening in theaters or some bona fide classics that, we, uh, that have a very special place in our hearts. So before we get into anything proper, I figured that we might just introduce ourselves a little bit to the people listening. Should we do it like first day of class and we say like our name and a fun fact about ourselves? Um, maybe. The fun fact can be favorite movie, but... True. That's I was yeah. thinking something along that those lines. Um, but I also had a question. Oh, you had a for question you. for me? Yes. Oh, I love answering All questions. Right. Cool. Um... So we'll do it this way. You'll say your name okay. for the people who have already forgotten who we are. Okay. Uh, you'll say your favorite movie. Yes. And then you will answer the question, when did you first learn that you loved film? That's a pointed question because you know the answer and you want me to say it. No, eh, maybe a little bit. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So my name is Charlie, as I said a minute ago. My favorite movie is The Social Network. Good good choice. Good and choice. Um, the moment I knew I loved film was uh, I was sitting, 10-year-old Charlie was sitting in the theater and uh, watching uh, um, Night at the Museum. And there's the oversh- overhead shot of uh, Ben Stiller riding trying to uh riding the horse trying to chase down uh dick van dyke and the music swells in the background and i thought i want to do this forever that's a that's a good story that's a good story and you've loved movies ever since yes yeah nice nice what about you Uh uh so my name is nick um my favorite movie is jaws and the, the when I first knew that I loved film, it was, a, uh, I guess, the most formative film experience I've had in my life. I was about six years old, and my mom took me to the local library where they were playing, um, it was around Halloween, and so they were playing the original 1931 Dracula at the local library, and I think I'm speaking a little quietly, um... I don't remember the movie entirely, but I am told that I was captivated by it. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that that movie was the first real experience I had with films and really started my love with horror movies, which I'm sure is a topic that we will be coming back to yes, I'm many, sure many is. times on this podcast. So, now that you've gotten to know us a little bit... Um, Let's talk a bit about what's happening in the world of movies right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's pretty exciting. We had uh, a pretty big day for movie news and trailer releases and things like that with the Super Bowl. Yes, uh, a couple weeks ago, I guess. Um, while we're on that topic, we can talk about um, 
The Avengers. The Avengers. Avengers the Avengers. Endgame. It was a the thirty second spot. Yes. So cool. All right. So Charlie uh, is the is the resident um, Marvel enthusiast here, I believe. Yes. I uh, I caught up over over the summer because mm-hmm. I had only ever seen a handful of them, and I'm sure this will be discussion that we have closer to. I guess uh, Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel, and I'm sure it'll come up again when Avengers around comes Endgame around. Comes out. Captain Marvel is March. March, correct? yeah, yeah. Um, so it's I'm, a six week uh, span in between the two. So I'm sure if that, you know that's how much you know. I follow those movies. I know like how many weeks are in between release. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I'm sure that the, that'll be a topic that we mm. discuss much more in depth around that time. But uh, why don't you take us through uh, a few thoughts about? Endgame and what you thought of the the thirty second spot and anything like that. Well, first off, just like everyone, I was mourning the loss of Chris Evans' beard. Yes, yes. During of during the trailer, no, I think the 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 spot was just it was very interesting the way they used color. What do you mean? And it because the um uh the first second of the trailer they went through the ten major characters who got snapped. Mm-hmm. And they only use the color red to bring out of their um, their costumes. I think my biggest question from the I, that I'm looking forward to be answered from the trailers: How's Tony Stark and uh, Nebula saved? Yes, yeah. And who they were all looking up at when they leave the compound at the end of the at, at the end of the spot, which mm-hmm. I believe to be uh, they're about to meet Captain Marvel, and they don't want to show us that yet. Oh, that that's a good yeah. A good point. Um, but I mean, I'm so excited. They're gonna be right now. It's looking like the time for the movie is gonna be three hours. Oh boy. But like, <laughs> oh, oh um, boy. If 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 they want to like just release like it in a five hour film, I'd be there for that. I, I think you might be the only one. I know. I know lie. one other person at least who'd be down for a five-hour Marvel well, movie. Yeah, I know at least one other person. Um, I'm sure you're not the only one. Yeah. Um, of the two of us, of the two of us, fifty percent of the room <coughs> would like a five-hour Endgame, and the other fifty percent would rather uh, that not happen. Correct. <laughs> Although I, I have to say, how long was was um, Infinity War. Infinity War was about two forty. It was. It's a. It was pretty it's a monster. It was pretty long. It did not feel that long, though. Well, the, I was surprised. The thing about um, Infinity War, which I think is going to be the same thing that happens with Endgame, is that so much happens. Mm-hmm. So by the time, like, if you think about Infinity War, starts with Loki dying. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess. I guess we should say. Oh, spoiler um, alert! Spoilers. Um, if you haven't think, seen Infinity War by now, and I just spoiled that Loki died, it's not my fault. I I, I think going forward, um, we we'll try to keep this podcast fairly spoiler light. Okay, so like if but, the movie came out recently, yes. spoiler light. But like if the movie came out like thirty years ago. Oh, uh, we're gonna. That's we're gonna, on you. Yeah, we'll we'll uh we'll reveal. All the all the surprise endings. Like if if we're talking about Psycho and you're surprised she dies halfway through, that's I, there's nothing I can do about that. Wait, she dies halfway through? Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> uh, I, that's a joke. No, but uh, so uh, so much happens. You start with 
all those characters dying at the beginning, and then you immediately go into a, a battle in New York, mm-hmm. and then you immediately go to a battle in Eastern Europe, mm-hmm. then you go go into space. There's just the There's movie, so much. The happening. movie never stops, yeah. and now that they are. I mean, I think whenever you sit through a three-hour film, mm-hmm. you know that you've sat through a three-hour film. True, true. But it, there's also so much that they have to wrap up character dynamics-wise. Mm-hmm. Eleven years of um, a shared universe that they're wrapping up in three hours. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to feel if, – if, if, if it feels long – that will be a surprise to I me. think one of the greatest compliments that you can give a long movie mm-hmm. is that it did not feel yeah. as long as it did. Yeah. Um, and though it's a completely you know different viewing experience, um, friends of mine have, have said a movie like um, Blade Runner 2049, mm-hmm. which is, I think, a good two hours, 45 it's minutes. It's 245, yeah. Um, that that movie does not feel like that. Oh, and that movie is an all. epic. And that movie is so densely packed yeah. and so much is thrown at you that that's another example of mm. of a movie that just does not feel as long as yeah. it is. So the other spot that um, I'm not going to see but what interested me was uh, the Fast and Furious spinoff. Oh, yes. The, like, with the... Um, um, Hobbs and Shaw. It's, yeah. Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson and... Um, ooh, what's his name? Is it Statham? Jason Statham. Jason yep. Statham. Yep. yep. The, um, I've never seen a Fast and Fur- Furious movie. I don't plan on ever seeing a Fast and Furious film. I am confused how they became from... Street racing movies to spy thrillers. That's, this is a conversation Nick and I have... Too, too often, often. <laughs> oh no um uh, we have too often where we try to figure that out we're, but we're not willing to put in the hours of work correct to watch the films but i was because it will be work yeah <laughs> but um sorry if you like the fast and furious films be prepared we are snobs um no but the uh uh, I, I I really like the song choice. What was the song? It was uh, "Why Can't We Be Friends" by oh, War. Oh yes. One of my yes. friends. We were watching the Super Bowl in my uh, dorm room, and one of my friends, uh, she was talking about something, and the trailer came on, and I heard that song, and I just went shh. <laughs> you had to focus all your attention on yeah. on Fast and Furious. So, um, well, another technically not a Super Bowl spot. Yeah but released on the Super Bowl was um, we got another trailer for Jordan Peele's Us, Ugh, which oh. is definitely so which is definitely one of my most anticipated movies of the year. I, did, I uh, did not really watch the second trailer because I want to go in knowing as little as possible. One of my problems with the way they promoted Get Out Mm-hmm. Which spoiler alert, I guess, um, was that I knew going in hypnotism yeah. was going to be a major theme of the film, and I really wish I didn't because when she's hypnotizing him, I was like, "Oh, she's just evil," and I felt like that scene could have been more impactful if I didn't know that That's was coming. True. That's true. Um, and so, th- what was great about the Us trailer uh, the, that released on Christmas was that they we know they gave us. 
so much and so little information it at was, the same time. I think it was the perfect trailer because I could sit here and tell you what the movie is about. It's about uh, uh, a family that goes on vacation. And they're terrorized by lookalikes. Yeah, I can tell you that. But we don't know anything beyond that. Yeah. And with the Get Out trailer, I could tell you with uh, – I, I, I could tell you that, like, w- what elements were at play in the film. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea. I, I – Hearing Jordan Peele do interviews, um, there was a, a really nice piece in Rolling Stone where they interviewed him. Um, it sounds like Us is going to be a far more conventional horror movie mm-hmm. than Get Out was, which was sort of this interesting hybrid of horror and thriller and social See, commentary. I didn't think of Get Out as a horror film. I get that it's a horror film, mm-hmm. but watching it i never felt scared of course i don't i'm finding that i don't really get scared during horror movies a lot mm-hmm. i felt really uncomfortable that is time, true yeah the entire time and so i'm i'm really really looking forward to i'm i'm yeah, excited for us hopefully I, getting some more scares out yeah. of this one i mean the trailer freaks me out so yes the use of um what's, what's that song we were just listening to it the other night. It's a. I don't remember. I can't remember the song. I'm sorry, but but what they did with that song, with the violins yes. where they're playing, oh, yeah. they they make you they make you think, or you know they they take that song and they put the change on it. Also, my my, my grandmother was staying with us over uh, uh, Christmas, and uh, I decided to freak her out, and I was like, "Hey, Nana." Do you want to watch this trailer for a fun family <laughs> vacation film? And she was like, sure. And then people started, like, murdering each other. And she was like, this is not what I signed up for, Charlie. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Um, I just realized we have we have successfully um, completed or uh, done a hallmark of all podcasts. What? Where we talk about something and don't realize that we don't know all the information about it, like the song title. And... Um, so anyone listening is now screaming at us oh, the this- name of the song, and we will just sit here in ignorance. This is a good opportunity for me to. Um, this is a good opportunity for me to plug our Twitter, so you can. You, you why don't we plug it at the end? That's, okay. that's that's podcast routine. Podca- okay, True. I was going to say they were yelling at us, and they could tweet at us the name of the song. True. So true, or we just edit it in and post. But that's probably not going to happen. We're, we're too lazy for that. We want to go watch another movie or true. We've got we have busy lives. He well, has I a, have a busy. He life. has a busy life. He he wakes up every morning and sends five emails, and I wake up up every morning and play Grand Theft Auto. So if that tells you <laughs> we're on polar opposite ends of the of the busy spectrum. Yeah, that I guess tells there. you what where our priorities lie. Um, that was a nice little diversion <laughs> into our personal lives. Um. So I was on um, IMDb News. Thanks. I was on IMDb News because um, I wanted to see what would be worth talking about yep. for this episode. Ooh, something that's not on IMDb News yes. right now because it happened a couple weeks back, mm-hmm. but were the photos for Once Upon a Time, Once upon in, a time Hollywood. in Hollywood. Um, in case you're not aware, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood will be the ninth of ten films, yes, ten films. of uh, Quentin Tarantino, who's a director, who's a favorite of director of both of ours. Yeah. And this is his... 
Well, one of the constant debates you're probably going to hear on this podcast is an argument that we generally have about Inglorious Bastards versus Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Um, we both love Tarantino a lot. Yeah. Um, in case you couldn't tell that us tell that about us already. Yeah. Um, but uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is, as far as we understand, going to be Tarantino's love letter to old world Hollywood of the mm-hmm. 1960s, and it's going to incorporate in the um, the Charles Manson murders of 1969. So Margot Robbie is going to be playing Sharon Tate. Um, mm-hmm. Damien Lewis is going to be playing Steve McQueen. Wait, what? Yeah. I didn't know that. That is Yeah, awesome. that's really exciting. Yeah, I love Damien Lewis. I don't know if you watched any of Homeland. My parents watched a little bit. I don't. I stopped watching Homeland after season three because it got a little ridiculous for mm-hmm. me. But Damien, spoiler alert: Damien Lewis in the middle of season two admits that he was uh, now a converted agent for a terrorist group, mm-hmm. and it was the probably the most well acted scene I have ever seen. Really, he is. He's very good yeah. in everything he does. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's going to be playing Steve McQueen. As far as I understand, um, I think Bruce Lee is a character in yeah. the film. Um, but, of course, Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt are the stars of the movie as a um, washed-up movie star and his stunt double. And it's going to follow their lives as connected to the the lives of other characters in Hollywood mm-hmm. in 1969. As One far as thing, we know, it will be fairly Pulp Fiction-esque, yeah. I believe. Um, well, you, you made a really good point the other night uh, where you said this seems like the movie that's going to mix the his first four films mm-hmm. with his last four. True. Um, where it, um, he It's t- a combination of those early crime thrillers like Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, and then his more, or his newer material like uh, Django Unchained, The Hateful Eight, Inglourious Bastards. Bastards. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm so excited for that movie. I'm, I can't wait to see what it is because it is a movie that could be so many things. Mm-hmm. And we just don't know what that what those things are. The only I, I just want to know how he's tying in Charles Manson. I'm, yeah. When the movie first got announced, everyone thought it was going to be a Charles Manson film, mm-hmm. and Tarantino's like, no, 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 it's about old Hollywood. Yeah. Um, but what we do know is that Leonardo DiCaprio, who plays the washed up actor, mm-hmm. is friends with Sharon Tate. Yes. They're and neighbors, that, I believe. Yeah, they're neighbors. So that's the only connection that so far that we know of. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be awesome. I'm, I'm really excited. Um, I had a comment to make, but I've forgotten it. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll, we'll move on. Okay. Do you have anything else that you wanted to say about no. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? So anyway... Um, back to the IMDb news. Mm-hmm. I came across two stories. I don't have all the details about them, but they both involve um, Nickelodeon. Ooh. Surprisingly, it's some a little bit of TV. Nick, 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 Nick Nickelodeon. Thanks. Um, they both involve a little bit of, of TV here, so uh, I wanted to to get your opinions mm-hmm. on these. And for you listening at home. Charlie has no idea what I'm about to tell him, so we are going to hear his opinions 
as as they happen. Mm-hmm. So the first, this headline is from The Wrap, and it says that in the works at Nickelodeon are SpongeBob SquarePants spinoffs. What do we think about this? A, sp- a SpongeBob spinoff? The Children's Cable Network is planning its first ever series of spinoffs from the long-running popular animated program no, no, SpongeBob no, Sp- no, SquarePants. No, I don't want to watch Sponge. I, I watch possible ideas include standalone stories for side characters like Sandy Cheeks and Sandy- Plankton. No further details are available okay. at this time. Okay, no, no. I'm actually very riled up right now. I didn't watch SpongeBob. Sandy is a boring character. Sandy and Plankton are only interesting characters because the way they play off of SpongeBob. No, no one's going to watch. That's not true. Kids are going to watch that because children will watch anything. But that is so dumb. You got so upset about SpongeBob. I'm very passionate. This is SpongeBob wild. SpongeBob has my favorite comedic scene in any television show of all time. It's the bit with uh, is this Patrick. your wallet? Oh no! No, but you dropped it on the ground. Yes, and it has your ID in it. Yes, so therefore it must be your wallet. Seems right. So is this your wallet? No, I I die every time. I, I did not quote that correctly, but. Don't. Thanks for the reenactment. Yes, for the reenactment. <laughs> um, so some more, some more. Um, no, wait, wait. I'm sorry. More, no, okay, Nickelodeon. More I know you care so much about my opinion. Don't do this. This is such a bad idea. Sandy Cheeks is boring. Plankton is boring. No one wants to watch Mr. Krabs on his own thing. The only character worth having a spinoff is Patrick, and I probably wouldn't even watch. Oh, that I either. wouldn't watch that. That would no. be hard to watch. Yeah. I I was always always of the opinion that Patrick is only good in in really small doses for me at least. I love Patrick. Surprising no one. <laughs> um that was harsh. Patrick was my favorite character on SpongeBob growing up and it shows. That is correct. <laughs> um so this is from Variety. Okay. More about Nickelodeon. Studio Canal and Nickelodeon are partnering for a new Paddington TV series, Jesus, man, you with get Ben off, Wishaw. You gotta, as okay, they're keeping Ben Wishaw. You gotta get off of this Paddington kick. So for my, was it for my birthday? It was for your birthday. For my birthday, for my twenty second birthday. Um, oh, no, no, no. It was for, it was for it was holidays. It was Christmas time. It was, it was so for Hanukkah. Yes. So for Hanukkah. Um, I'm just sitting there, and we're doing our um, present exchange with our friends, and I get the films, I get my presents from Nick, and then he goes, wait, 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 I have one more thing, and he pulls Paddington out, because for like a year and a half, he's been trying to get me to watch Paddington, and like, I'm going to, but it's getting weird. I just want to see it. Because I've heard it's so good, I know, but like, and I've heard Paddington Two no, was one of the best films of this year, no, I heard, and I haven't seen it yet. I heard that too, but it's the fact that like he went out of his way to buy me Paddington, so I would have to watch it. In fairness, okay. In fairness, I did not go out of my way. It was it was there, at, in the display bin at Five Below, and I could. It was on top. Of the bin. You just couldn't resist. And I took it as a sign <laughs> that I couldn't not buy it. <laughs> okay. So, um, 
yes, we will be getting on. The, we'll get on. We'll get on on board the Paddington train. Well, we do have a couple friends who also want to watch Paddington that is with true. us. That is true. So I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure in the coming weeks we will get to Paddington. Good. I'm glad. You know, there's one person listening to this right now who's just like, "How dare he insult Paddington?" That in is, I hope so. I hope. I so. hope I get some angry tweets about, about that. about Paddington. About Paddington. Alternatively, there's someone listening to this who's like, "Yeah, I'm not the only one who hates Paddington." But, like, also, it's just an irrational hatred. It, it, it can only be an irrational hatred. Every year... You have to love Paddington. Every year, I pick a movie that gets released that I just irrationally hate. And it, it was Paddington. It was Paddington. <laughs> what did Paddington ever do to you? I don't know. I'm just a cynical, cynical man. That is true. Um, Any other thoughts about Paddington Bear? <laughs> That's... Such a weird sentence. All right, we'll move on. Um, so, oh god, what would, what would movie news be, without the biggest movie news of the year? Yes, which is always the Academy Awards. Ooh. So, um, I don't know why I said that. Of course, we would talk about this. Uh, nominees were announced at the end of January. Uh, I've got a full list here. We will not be going through all of them. We're not going to go through best sound mixing? Because, no. What about best sound editing? No. No? What about best animated short? Well, I'm sure that everyone at home wants to hear our thoughts on the best animated shorts. But we have two problems. One, we just don't have the time. Two, I have not seen any of them. Those are problems. I See, I also have a problem. I haven't seen any of them either. True, true. So we will not be talking about best animated shorts. Um, However, I figured we could go through a few of the the main categories. Mm -hmm. And then um, for the second year in a row, Charlie and I did this purely for fun last year. Now we have parlayed this intellectual exercise into this podcast. We have created our own alternative Oscars. What we deem for our superior knowledge in films than that of the Academy, what should have been nominated for the Oscars. And of course there can be overlap. Mine is very overlapping with the that's not a proper sentence. No, My not. nominees no, overlapped no, no a lot. Overlapped a lot with the actual nominees. That's interesting. I think mine didn't overlap as much as I thought they would. Interesting. Uh so we can get to that in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Um but why don't we just take a quick look right now at what movies have been nominated by the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences for Best Picture of the Year. Okay. And they nominated one, two, three, four, five, six, eight films this year. And they are, in alphabetical order, Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, oh my God. The Favorite, Green Book, Roma, A Star is Born, and Vice. Yeah, my Best Picture nominees are very, very different. Mine are very similar. Really? Yes. See, my problem going into this year, going into this year's Oscars, is three out of my four favorite films of the year weren't nominated for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bad Times at the El Royale, If Beale Street Could Talk, and Widows, mm-hmm. which no one saw. And if you guys had gone out and saw Widows, maybe we'd be having a different conversation. If you guys had gone out and seen Widows... I'm yes. making up for my bad sentence before. <laughs> um, d- d- do yourself a favor. 
go see widows. Do you want? Do you want like a thirty second soapbox on widows? thirty second soapbox on widows? Okay, widows is probably the most culturally important movie of the year, and but because it wasn't put out by a major studio with a major brand already attached to it, like Black Panther, no one went and saw it. For those of you of people listening who have no idea what widows is, what is your one sentence summary of widows? Uh, or or pitch me widows no. in one sentence. Widows is about four women who were married to uh, thieves, and uh, the thieves die in a um, shootout with the police. And now um, their husbands stole money from a crime lord in Chicago, and the and he comes to them and says, "You have a month to give me all my money back, or mm-hmm. I'm going to kill." kill you mm-hmm. and so these four women who don't know each other have to band together and interesting go on a heist it is so good it's a political thriller it is a uh heist film it is a social commentary mm-hmm. on um race relations in america it is so good steve mcqueen and jillian uh flynn wrote it Steve McQueen directed it, and it made $9 million at the box office. It has Viola Davis, Liam Neeson, Daniel Kaluuya, uh, Brian Tyree Henry, um, uh, Elizabeth Debicki. Mm-hmm. Please go and see it. I'm begging you. It's out on DVD now. It's so out on DVD can... now. I own it. If you know me, just... Don't, don't, no. We're not going to make that offer. <laughs> if you know me, just come... Come and ask me to borrow my DVD. Please watch it. And we made that offer anyway. (laughs) Um. But yeah, going back to what the Best Picture nominations are. And then if Beale Street couldn't couldn't talk. I always do this. If Beale Street could talk, Mm -hmm. wasn't nominated either. And so I'm very, very upset with the Best Picture nominees this year. In terms of um, films that were nominated, what do you think... What surprised you most or surprised you least? Well, I haven't seen Green Book yet. I have to get around to that before the award show. I, had, I haven't had time to get get to it. I am, I am still shocked that Bohemian Rhapsody was nominated for Best Picture. I am still shook that it won uh, the Best dr- uh, Drama or yes, yeah, it was best drama. drama at the uh, Globes, Golden Globes. Yeah, um, I'm, 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 I am shocked. I'm smirking behind my microphone right now. Charlie and I have have gone back and forth, exchanging some words about <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay, well, like, don't get me wrong. Bohemian Rhapsody is a good film. Yes, it's it a, is. It's a good film with a very good performance by Rami Malek. I'm not going to take that away from the movie. But it is a paint-by-numbers musical biopic, not to mention that has been painted as a totally factual telling of Freddie Mercury's life. And there's so many factual inaccuracies, even though the members of the band produced the film. I hear what you're saying. And not only... They made Freddie Mercury look like a bad person and made them all look good. Freddie Mercury went out and went his own solo albums... Brian May did his own solo album before Freddie Mercury did. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. And I'm not going to invalidate mm-hmm. your remarks because they are true. Yeah. They are true. I can't wait to then invalidate your remarks. But 
I'm going. That's mean. <laughs> I I will save my thoughts okay. for on Bohemian Rhapsody for when we talk about our own okay. nominations. How about that? Okay. I am very surprised that if Beale Street could talk wasn't nominated. I am too. I was very I, I was surprised. Very surprised by that. Um, you want to talk about lead actor and lead actress a little bit? Not lead actor and lead actress, because I think we can have that debate while we're doing our own nominations. Okay, fair point. Um, I guess... Are there any categories that you think we need to to touch on? I'm telling you, we need to talk about best sound mixing. All right. In that case... Mm-hmm. Best sound mixing. Black Panther. Yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. First Man, yes. Roma, uh-huh. and A Star Is Born. Mm-hmm. No, that sounds what about film right. mixed sound the best? You know, I did not like Black Panther sound mixing. I felt like they really, really didn't put enough of a budget in, and I'm actually very surprised it was nominated for uh, uh, the Academy Award. Now, A Star Is Born sound mixing. What they did really well is because they recorded the songs. They had to record the songs while they performed it live. No, this is actually true. So um, so what they did was they recorded the vocal tracks separately while they were also recording the music behind it. So then they can fix the vocal tracks in post, even though they were recording these songs live in concerts. So in all actuality, I do think that A Star Is Born should win that award. As interesting as that was. Yeah. I apologize that you had to hear that. <laughs> okay. Uh, do, do, is there anything you want to talk about? Um. N- no, not specifically about categories. Okay. About categories, mm-hmm. but I suppose we should speak a little bit to the way that the awards are going to be a little different this year. Mm-hmm. Um. In case you have not been following, um, the Academy has been trying to switch up how the Oscar ceremony is going to play out on TV this year. Uh, there is no host for the Academy Awards this year, um, following some controversy around Kevin Hart, who was the the front runner, I believe, for the hosting gig. Um, Academy, you have one week to get a host, and I am volunteering myself. I have no jokes prepared. I have nothing planned. But if you give me the call, I will do a less than mediocre job for you. In all honesty, do you want that job? Because because every every Oscar host ever yeah talks about how hard. Mm-hmm. A job hosting the Oscars is okay. So th- because <laughs> they are playing to an audience that is so high strung and so stressed <laughs> out that no, that you have to work a hundred and fifty percent to crack a smile from from an Oscar nominee. Okay, this is what I'll tell you. One. Since no one knows who I am, I feel like I wouldn't have that much pressure on me. So there would be no expectations. They'd be just like this guy named Charlie we pulled off the street is hosting. And so, and also, like, I don't know any of these people. So I feel like I could make fun of them ruthlessly and I wouldn't get in that much trouble. 
and then two. I'm sure that if they called me today and they're like, we need you in 10 days to host the Oscars, all you have to do is be charismatic. I'm sure I could do a better job than James Franco. <laughs> wow. All right. Because all you have to do is pre- <laughs> if I pretend I want to be there, I've already done a better job than James Franco. Alrighty then. <laughs> Shots fired, James Franco. Come for me. All right. Um, the other <laughs> other bit of um, Oscar news is that not all of the categories are going to be aired live on TV, um, and this is particularly upsetting mm-hmm. um, because they have cut. Best cinematography. Well, as, I just as one of the um, as one of the categories that they're not showcasing, um, and I think I think I can speak for both of us when I say that that's the category that we're most upset that yeah. they decided to cut. Well, I just pulled up a tweet by uh, Alfonso Cuaron, who's the director and cinematographer of um, Roma, and he wrote Roma as well. Yes, and so and it could be that he's just upset. That he's not gonna his if he wins. Best. If he wins, he will not be on TV. Yeah, there's there is always the good chance of that. But he did tweet something out on um, I think it was two days ago uh, about that that I think is very poignant and really speaks to why people are upset about this. Mm-hmm. So he tweeted, "In the history of cinema." Masterpieces have existed without sound, without color, without a story, without actors, and without music. No one single film has ever existed without cinematography and without editing. And I think that really, really speaks. I, I think there's also something that that cutting out best cinematography and best editing from the Oscars mm-hmm. speaks to is that tomorrow I could grab my video camera, mean you could go sit at a table mm-hmm. and record a conversation. Yep. And that's, you don't even need a video camera. We can do it on our on, on our, our, phones. our phones. And all we had to do was put it on film. Yep. And we've made a we've movie. We've made a movie. And I think by taking away, awarding, awarding these people who have spent their lives working for this moment and not showing the, t- the just the two things necessary to make a film mm-hmm. live not only undercuts their accomplishments and it undercuts the spirit of filmmaking. It does. And my other thought about that is, as Edgar Wright tweeted the other night, is that you if cutting best cinematography and best editing... I, I feel bad for hair and makeup and best animated short mm-hmm. as well. Um, <clears throat> but by cutting these two awards, you're not going to bring in new viewers no. to the Oscars. And at best, you're going to push. I'm going to still watch the Oscars, but like you're going to push people away from not wanting to watch it mm-hmm. because that is the essence of filmmaking. I think and. It's been a problem with the Oscars for a number of years is I I think people don't watch because there is a perception of what an Oscar movie is Mm -hmm. in, in the public consciousness, and there are always those movies that none of, that no Mm -hmm. people have seen. So why, 
watch or why spend three hours on a Sunday night watching a a award show where you have not seen any of yeah. the of the of the films that are nominated. Mm-hmm. And, and that's I think why they extended it. Um, no, one of the things that upsets me most um, is that there's a reason why we extended or the Academy extended to 10 films mm-hmm. 10 years ago is to get more movies in there that people have seen. So there is that thing to bring in the average moviegoer mm-hmm. into watch. But instead what they decide to do is not nominate popular films anymore. Not, yep. I hate saying popular films, but not nominating these more blockbuster well, films. Mm-hmm. And and now they're like, oh, what's the problem we're having? It's too long. No, it's that you're not even doing what you said you were going to do. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to forget that the Academy – I think we we saw the, the first inkling that something yeah. was different, something was going on. Um, back in back in the spring, mm-hmm. when they announced <clears throat> that popular film category, yeah. um, which which felt so wrong. Well, if I were like, look, I'll be the first one to admit I did not love Black Panther. Mm-hmm. But if I were Ryan Coogler, then I got the call on nominations morning that my film was nominated for best not for best picture, but for best popular film. Mm-hmm. I would throw a fit. I wouldn't go to the awards. Yeah. I would not accept that award because popular has popular has has always in 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 regards to art yeah. has always had a negative connotation. Right. Just because it's popular doesn't mean it's bad. Correct. But to be told that you have to if your film makes well, what essentially they're saying is like they're setting the hundred fifty million dollar box office limit on it. Mm-hmm. If what they're telling you is that your film because it was popular was not worthy and it and so th- i think that is, speaks to what you were saying that, mm-hmm. that that's why people don't watch it because yeah. no one the oscars are like no one sees it mm-hmm. that means it's good no right those films are good but like blockbuster films can also be that is, yes. very good um you know i didn't i didn't put it in my nominations oh but... and i'm sorry and they work just as hard Oh, for sure, yeah. for sure. Um, I, I didn't put it in my, my nominations for Best Picture or anything, but a film like um, one of, probably one of my favorite movies of, of the year was um, Mission Impossible mm-hmm. Fallout. I thought you were going to go with Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. No, <laughs> sorry. Oh. Um, but Fallout, I thought, was just yeah. this, a spectacular film. Yeah. I loved every minute of it. And, you know, that movie made so much money, and it was respected by audiences and critics alike, that, you know, if the Academy wasn't afraid that they could have nominated yeah. it for something if they wanted to. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think they did. No. I think that that also speaks to the new crop of people that are going into the Academy. True. Who have a more open mind about this sort of thing. True. Okay. Did you know that Stephen King is an Academy voter? I did not know that. Yeah. I feel like he voted for something that would make me mad, though. <laughs> I'm. God, dang it, Stephen King. Why you gotta make me so mad? 
I, I have I have a lot of issues with Stephen King. If we, when when we eventually do our book podcast, I'll talk about like the three <coughs> books I've ever read. And You've only read three books about unfortunate, unfortunate, and um, every Stephen King book I've ever read just annoys me to no end. Well, I'm sure I'm sure we'll talk about Stephen King um, around Pet Cemetery time. Oh, I'm so excited for Pet Cemetery. Coming to spring. Don't watch the second trailer. There are so many spoilers in it. True, true. Um. So with all that being said, I think that's a nice lead-in to talking about our own Academy Award nominations. Mm -hmm. And I say that we get onto this pretty quickly before this becomes a monster podcast. Um, So we're going to have to – we'll try to keep ourselves reined in in terms of discussion a little bit. Are you telling me people aren't interested in my opinions on best sound mixing? Well, Are we you did telling not... me that force that what that force that was unnecessary and went a little long. Yes. Okay. That's what I'm Let's saying. Let's go into best score then. Uh, well, I was gonna say we oh. have um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We have nine mm-hmm. categories. Um, we have selected five nominees. Did you do the nominees in alphabetical order? I was or... going to, but I did not get around to it. So my apologies. My apologies. Wow. Um. So we have nine categories, and mm-hmm. we're going to start at the bottom and work our way up. Mm-hmm. We will talk about – we'll say what the category is. We will name our five nominees each, mm-hmm. and then we will announce our respective winners, talk about them a little bit, and then move on to the next category. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And as Charlie said, we will begin with best – Score. So, Charlie, why don't you take it away with your five nominees for best score? Okay. So, Justin Hurwitz for First Man, Mark Shaman for Mary Poppins Returns, Marco Beltrami for A Quiet Place, Nicholas Brittell for If Beale Street Could Talk, and Nicholas Brittell for Vice. Very interesting. Very interesting. Um, and I know, I know for all, all four of these men that this is such an honor and you're welcome for nominating you. Um, my winner is Nick. Oh, no, oh, oh we're not I was going to do yet. my nominees. Okay. And then we'll, okay. we'll get back. Um, do your nominees then. So my nominees are, again, unfortunately not in alphabetical order. John Carpenter, Cody Carpenter, and Daniel Davies for Halloween. Johan Johansson for Mandy. Justin Hurwitz for First Man, mm-hmm. Colin Stetson for Hereditary, and... L- I almost did Hereditary. That was the last one... Interesting. ...kicked out. Oh, I should uh, I should um, preface this by saying um, there will be a lot of, I think, mispronounced names... Yes. ...in the, in the coming minutes. Mm-hmm. So apologies in advance. Um, and Lorne Balfi for Mission Impossible Fallout. I can't argue with any of those. They all, all had really good... Mm-hmm. Musical scores, I believe. I think it's interesting. I think <coughs> it is interesting that we had one overlap. Justin Hurwitz. Justin Hurwitz yeah. for First Man. That is not my winner. It is not mine either. But Justin, uh, I think Justin Hurwitz, it was like a Foghorn score. Um, I forget uh, exactly. A theremin. A theremin. It was un- beautiful. unbelievable. It made my heart stop. Mm-hmm. I loved every second of that score. His The score for the moon landing mm-hmm. scene oh, of yeah. First Man it was one of 
the most impactful pieces of music I've heard in a long time. I haven't besides the score that won for me. Mm-hmm. Um, don't don't cheat. Uh, is that the, the the music where he was standing in the moon and he dropped his daughter's uh, bracelet yep. or necklace? Yep. Like the music cut into me. Yeah. His score for was sure. His score was unbelievable. I it's not my favorite score. But if he wins tomorrow, or not tomorrow, when he if he wins February twenty fourth, yeah, so next next like, next yeah, Sunday, next Sunday, if he wins, like I'm gonna be can't say anything about it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But with all that being said, what is your winner? Nicholas Bertel for if Beale Street could talk. Interesting, interesting. It was, it was, the perfect score. Mm-hmm. I don't think I have seen a score fit a tone of a film. <laughs> while making while making it its own mm-hmm. better since the social network score which is my favorite score of all time mm-hmm. there i i can't speak enough about how every bit of that score spoke perfectly to the film mm-hmm. he did an unbelievable job honestly when i was coming up with this set of nominations he had the victory in my mind before you'd even before i even nominated it i listened to that score just falling asleep it is Mm -hmm. stunning even if you haven't seen the movie give the score a listen because it is just beautiful so my winner came down interestingly to um two musicians who or it came down between two musicians whose um, method of scoring the film is a little unorthodox. Yeah. And I was odd that my two frontrunners for this category were um, dabbling in some 80s synth. And that was either Johan Johansson for Mandy or the Carpenter, John Carpenter, Cody Carpenter, and Daniel mm-hmm. Davies for Halloween. And ultimately, it is that trio that I awarded mm-hmm. the... Of, of course you're going to go with them. Well, them. I, I... I'm of the opinion that the Halloween, the original Halloween theme is one of the greatest horror mm-hmm. movie themes of all time. One of the greatest movie themes of all time. It, it becomes such a integral part of the original Halloween. In fact, um, from what I understand, when John Carpenter was directing the film in the late 70s, he showed a rough cut to producers without any score or anything, and they said, this is, movie is not scary, it's boring, we don't care. He showed them the exact same cut of the movie with the score added in, mm-hmm. and they said, this is one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen. Wow. It is, that the music is just so powerful, and what they did for the score for the new Halloween is they took those same original compositions but updated them and put a, an entirely new spin on them yep. created new music and it and it worked so well it became a, another character in the movie again just like the original score before we move on to the next category mm-hmm. i would like to do a little shout out to Johan Johansson, yes, who passed away yes. last year, who did one of my all-time favorite scores and one of my all-time favorite movies, Arrival. Mm. He, if you just like to do work, mm-hmm. listening to movie scores, give his scores a listen. He, he is an incredible composer. <coughs> who him passing away so young is an incredible loss for um the um the movie industry. Definitely. His his music is uh, – friends of mine have said 
his it's hard to pick out his music because his style just goes so along yeah. with whatever movie he is making. Absolutely. Which I think is a really interesting statement yeah. to make. Um, so we can alternate back and yeah. forth, and I'll start with my five nominees for Best Cinematography. Yeah. So first, uh, again, apologies for names in advance, is Benjamin Loeb, Lieb, um, for Mandy. Mm-hmm. Next is Matthew Libatique for A Star is Born. I believe that is correct, yeah. Okay. Um, next is Seamus McGarvey for Bad Times at the El Royale. Next is Alfonso Coron for Roma. Mm-hmm. And last but not least is Robbie Ryan for The Favorite. Okay, so we actually have pretty similar. Interesting. Mine are Alfonso Coron for Roma. Mm-hmm. Charlotte Bruce Christensen for Quiet Place. Mm, that was that was one I considered. Yeah. That was def- definitely a consideration. James Laxton, if Beale Street could talk. Mm-hmm. Matthew Libatique for A Star Is Born, and Seamus McGarvey for Bad Times at the El Royale. Interesting. Now, before I tell you my winner, mm-hmm. I would like to give Seamus McGarvey and Charlotte Bruce Christensen the credit they deserve. Are they your honorable mentions? They more are or less. Yeah, Charlotte Bruce Christensen <coughs> has my favorite shot of the year. It's when John Krasinski's character is running with the gun and the fireworks are going off mm-hmm. in the background. Mm-hmm. And Seamus McGarvey's work during the hallway scene in Bad Times at the El Royale. Mm-hmm. If you just look up how they they had to, he had to come up with a new tr- way to track shots mm-hmm. without um, sound being made, so the whole crew could walk behind John Hamm. Wow! Yeah, they had to create like their own like new feet. Where um, he had to um, the lights in the hotel. Mm-hmm. He had to set up all the lights so they could be on and light the set because they, with the way the set was built, um, they built an actual hotel. Mm-hmm. So the lights had to operate as the camera lights. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he deserves a lot of credit, but you got to give it to Alfonso Cuaron, in my opinion. Interesting. Interesting. Um, and that's that's very interesting because while watching Roma, you couldn't help but mention that you had almost wished that the movie was in color. I did w- – see, I did wish the movie was in color, and I feel like the shots would have been more – more would pop more, mm-hmm. but that doesn't take away from the incredible camera work he did. Mm-hmm. Those long shots long were tight, beautiful. Yeah. There were images that th- there there are going to be so many classic images coming from that film. Mm-hmm. I think that more so than any film I have seen in a while, Alfonso Cuarón <coughs> had complete control of everything and every shot he took. That is very and, true. And so I had to, even though I love Seamus McGarvey's work in Bad Times at the El Royale, mm-hmm. and look up how he did it, because it is unbelievable, you got to give it to Alfonso Cuaron. Or do you? Oh. I did not. Ooh. In fact, my winner for Best Cinematography is Benjamin Loeb for Mandy. Interesting. Um, I know you cannot speak to this because you have not seen Mandy yet, Um. Composition-wise, shots are probably not the the most stellar. Mm-hmm. There's no, you know, long takes like there are in Roma, or there, you know, aren't any pushing boundaries in terms of getting the shots. But the shots themselves, I think, are beautiful, mm-hmm. and what they do with um, the color of that movie 
it is one of the most colorful films mm-hmm. I have ever seen, and it is one of the most just the movie knew what look it was going for and as i've said i have never felt more like i was sitting in a movie theater or you know a cheap little movie theater in like the 1970s watching a a underground grindhouse mm-hmm. film more than i have watching mandy because that is the exact style that they evoked in the cinematography of that movie and it was so evocative and so so for the lack of a better word touching almost i think one thing you will find is that i think that a lot of my winners Mm -hmm. and my interest in film is a little bit more on a technical level Mm -hmm. where you 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 more i more appreciate how they did it Mm -hmm. and you more appreciate how they can do it if you know what i'm saying i I think i understand that and so i think that you we both love film and what you can do with it Mm -hmm. but just on a technical level i had to give it to alfonso Cuarón. i understand because his technical work was unbelievable i understand okay now we're on to best screenplay yes uh as someone who wants to be a screenwriter this is a very important category i call this category um best writing okay because i didn't want to have to dictate between original and i didn't either and and, and any of that uh so give us your nominees for best writing adam mckay vice okay bradley cooper eric roth will fetters a star is born Mm -hmm. drew goddard bad times at the el royale Mm -hmm. jillian flynn steve mcqueen widows Mm -hmm. phil lord rodney rothman spider-man into the spider-verse interesting very interesting i think we have we have two overlaps okay so my nominees are uh ari aster for hereditary Mm -hmm. drew goddard for bad times at the el royale nick valalonga brian curry peter farrelly for green book adam mckay for vice and brian woods scott beck and john krasinski for a quiet place that was my last one kicked out really yep interesting I, I had to give them that because the, the concept yeah. of that film um, was so original. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's interesting when you when you think of writing a film, you always, you think about what the characters mm-hmm. say. Yeah. And this is a movie where there's so little said. Mm-hmm. And, yet and they develop great characters. And they still develop great characters and really interesting scenarios mm-hmm. and situations mm-hmm. that, that that movie really deserved a, a, a nomination. So who's your winner? My winner. Your winner, winner, chicken dinner. Please Sorry, don't that. ever say that again. <laughs> My winner is um, Ari Aster for Hereditary. Hmm. And um, I think for for two reasons. One, I have seldom seen a movie that has managed to pull off so many genuine surprises that I was completely taken as a viewer, I was certain that the movie was going to go in one way, and they went in another. Mm-hmm. And they created just this really interesting lore and mythos and fascinating characters mm-hmm. to boot for this movie, which I, I definitely believe is, is if it's certainly one of the greatest horror movies of the past couple years, yeah. if not one of the greatest ever. I'm not I think sure it will if I'm, go down as a classic. I'm not sure if I'm ready to make that declaration mm-hmm. yet, but I think it's certainly one of one of the best that in the past couple years. Um, 
And the other reason is it's a move it's such a multi-layered movie that I picked up on so much after a second viewing mm-hmm. that I did not notice the first time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a that's a sign of a really tightly wound, really well-written story mm-hmm. is when there's so much to pick apart even after you know the surprises in the at the end. What did you pick for best writing? Drew Goddard, Bad Times at the El Royale. Interesting. Um, it was a funny script, mm-hmm. heartbreaking script. Um, the characters were dynamic. He did so much in about two hours and thirty minutes. Mm-hmm. The twists and turns, <coughs> and he made this. He made a movie that takes place besides the final two minutes in one location feels so big. Yeah. I agree with that. I, I um he every character gets a big moment. Lewis Pullman's speech about the wolf. Mhm. Yeah. Is incredible. Chilling. Chilling. And um I think that it was the most interesting movie of the year. And another thing that was interesting about the sc- one of the reasons why I think the screenplay works so much is the music he chose. Mm-hmm. When he went to the studio and pitched the film, he said, "Look, Whatever you give me a budget on this film, mm-hmm. you have to budget in the songs I chose because the songs were written into the script. Oh, interesting. And so I think that is also um, – what's the so- the Deep Purple song that plays during the roulette scene? Um, oh, it, it's it, it's Hush, Hush, I think. Yeah. It's just the way he utilized music in his screenplay. Mm-hmm. I think that he – I think just like Alfonso Cuaron had a um, – Full control over his uh, camera work. Mm-hmm. Drew Goddard had full control over his script, and he, it, 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 like, he just nothing happened in that film that you couldn't justify. And I, I think that, that is something that speaks to an amazing screenplay. Mm-hmm. Is I could watching the film, and if I read the script, I could justify everything that happens in the film based off of what he wrote, mm-hmm. and that is surprisingly because people are paid to do this that is an extremely rare thing to find in a film true true um move on to supporting actor oh okay i had best director but supporting actor okay um my five Mm -hmm. nominees are chris hemsworth bad times at the el royale mahershala ali green book uh grace for black klansman Linus Roach for Mandy, and Sam Rockwell for Vice. I'm mad at you. Oh. I'm mad at you. I thought Adam Driver for Black Klansman, Brian Tyree Henry for If Beale Street Could Talk, Mm -hmm. Chris Hemsworth for Bad Times at the El Royale, Daniel Kaluuya for Widows, Mm -hmm. and Sam Elliott for A Star is Born. Interesting. Interesting. I thought I was gonna come in here, be like Chris Hemsworth. You're gonna, I was gonna shock you, and then you just nope. stole it right out from under me. His, his, he's terrifying. His contribution to that film takes that movie up a whole another, well, whole another level. The way, the way I and his entrance yeah. is so yeah. good. The way I explain it to people is that I love John Hamm. So spoiler alert: when John Hamm dies, the next forty minutes, I'm just sad during, mm-hmm. and then Chris Hemsworth comes in, and I'm completely back on board. Yeah, with everything in that movie. Yeah. All right, who's your victor? My winner is Mahershala Ali. I can't speak to that. for Green Book. Unfortunately, yeah. um, his performance is so good Mm -hmm. um i don't want to ruin too much 
because you haven't seen yeah. it yet. But his character is such an interesting wealth of contradictions, um, and he plays them so well. That's a great sentence. Thank you. <laughs> uh, he plays them so well. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a character looking for identity, which I always think is really interesting to find. Mm-hmm. And he has a beautiful, beautiful monologue about it at one point. And um, it was at that point in the movie that I knew that, like, this this is a, a brilliant performance. I love everything that he does in that movie. Mm-hmm. My winner is Sam Elliott, A Star is Born. Interesting. I'm very surprised you didn't nominate him. I thought he was really good, but I... I I, I just couldn't. His his performance in that movie, just for me at least, yeah. as good as it was, was just not memorable see, enough for me that it really stood out. Every other every other um, person on my list, I mm-hmm. think, if if you came up to me randomly mm-hmm. and just asked me to talk about the nuance yep. of each performance, even though I've only seen each of these movies that I nominated once, I think I could. Right. I could point out one moment or one mm-hmm. scene from each that I just thought was so well done. Well, for, for, and, and unf- yeah. for me, I could not with, with um, Sam Elliott. For me, nominating Sa- or giving Sam Elliott the victory was – because going through the film, he was very good. But his final scene with Bradley Cooper mm-hmm. where he drives away crying mm-hmm. is heart-wrenching. And his final scene with Lady Gaga where he's saying, you, he did this to you. Yeah. Like, you, you just be mad at him. Mm-hmm. Just like it gives me shivers thinking about. I can I, I understand that he he is in a mo- in a movie full of memorable performances. Mm-hmm. He is my favorite performance. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Best supporting actress. Yes. Why don't you go first? Amy Ryan, Beautiful Boy. Interesting. Claire Foy, First Man. She was on my list, and then I had to. She got she got kicked really? off. Yep. Elizabeth Debicki, Widows. Emma Stone, The Favorite, and Regina King, If Beale Street Could Talk. Interesting. Interesting. I'm not going to lie. This was a hard category. It was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. This was a hard category for me. Um, I apologize because there's going to be some names mispronounced. Marina Di Tavera. Last one kicked off for me. From Roma. Last one kicked off for me. Rachel Weisz. Vice. Vice? Vice. Vice. Yeah. The favorite, thank you. Um, I knew that's the one you were going to get. Molly Shapiro, Hereditary. Mm-hmm. Was she the girl? Yes. Okay. Uh, the daughter, yeah. Charlie. Um, Kaylee Spaney. Really? Bad Times at the El Royale. Whoa, I almost nominated her. I just couldn't do it. And Amy Adams, Vice. That is interesting. I, I thought long and hard about Kaylee Spaney. Really? And I couldn't do it. I'm surprised. Because... Uh, I, 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 I thought she was very good, mm-hmm. but in a movie full of great performances, she just didn't stick out enough for me. Interesting. And if I wasn't going to nominate Lewis Pullman, mm-hmm. who I thought was one of the best parts per- of the movie, I mm-hmm. couldn't nominate her. Interesting. Because she, she's one of the parts of that movie that really sticks out oh, she's, for me. She's yeah. terrifying. She stands over that dead body, yep. and it like terrifies me. Couldn't do it. Yep. Um, it's interesting that we both had the, the mother from... 
Roma I, on there too. No, no, I well, did. I did. Yeah. You considered it. She was the it. last person that I kicked off. Mm-hmm. Um, it was between her and Amy Ryan for Beautiful Boy. Mm. And uh, they had very similar performances in what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And I thought Amy Ryan was just more emotionally impactful. Mm-hmm. Who but did you end up giving the award Regina to? Regina King, if Beale Street could talk. Interesting. I'm not going to tell you anything about it because you haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. But just watch it. Did she win the, the Golden Globe? Yes. Okay. Just watch the performance and you'll understand. I gave mine to, and you're going to have to help me with the name again, Rachel, Rachel Vice. She, she wasn't even a consideration for me. Interesting. I, I was very underwhelmed by her. I was I was torn between between her and um, Emma Stone, mm-hmm. and I I thought she gave the the more impacting performance. I think Emma Stone was better. Interesting. Interesting. Obviously, because I nominated her and not Rachel Vice. Um, but I I I really liked her her arc and the way she played it. I thought I thought she did a really a really good job, and she was, for me, somehow more memorable right. of the, of the two. Yeah. Uh, best actor? Yes. Um, you go first. Cool. So, best actor nominees mm-hmm. are Rami Malek for Bohemian Rhapsody, Bradley Cooper for A Star Is Born, Viggo Mortensen for Green Book, Christian Bale for Vice. And John David Washington from Black Klansman. Mm-hmm. Okay. Bradley Cooper, A Star is Born. Christian Bale, Vice. Mm-hmm. Jeff Bridges, Bad Times at the El Royale. Mm-hmm. Rami Malek, Bohemian Rhapsody. And Stephen, I don't, I'm not sure if he pronounces it Stephen or Stefan, but Stephen James, if Beale Street could talk. Interesting. Do we have any over? We have, uh, we have Cooper, Bradley Cooper and Bale Ma- and Malik. Okay, so three of our five. Yeah. Interesting. And who did you end up giving the award to? Christian Bale, Vice. Interesting. Interesting. I came very close to doing that. His performance in that movie is so good. Completely transformative. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, I wanted to say. Did you say Rami Malik? I'm gonna walk out of. I here. wanted to say it while we were, while we were talking about writing, yeah. because we both had nominated. Um, Adam McKay. Yeah. Just how well written that movie oh, is. It's so good. It's so fun. And yet so disheartening. And terrifying. At the same time. And like you're just like, I hate I hate everything. It's it's such a well done movie. Yeah. I I can't wait to watch it again. No. I'm buying it. I'm pre ordering it. Good, good. Um so you might want to leave because uh I gave I gave the award to to Rami Malik. Okay. Rami Malik was good. Don't get me wrong. But no, Christian Bale's performance was transformative. Watch a video of um, of Dick Cheney. Like, just watch a scene of Vice, and then watch a, a interview of Dick Cheney, and tell me which is the actor. You can't. I would tell you the same thing no. about Rami Malek and Bohemian Rhapsody. You know, it's the buck teeth. That's the, why you don't like it. Was his... the teeth? No, he he won because he's gonna win because of the teeth. Christian Bale, I'm sorry that Rami Malek is going to be. I just, I was so impressed. I don't know why I'm angry, so angry about this because I nominated Rami. Malek. I think Rami Malek gave such a powerful performance. I loved every every minute. I could tell by on, watching you. Well, I'll save that for <laughs> okay. for when we talk about the movie in okay. a bit. Um, I just think that everything he did was so good. Mm-hmm. And as I wrote in my official review 
of uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, that there were times where it was hard for me to to remember where the line between him as the actor and him as as Freddie Mercury really where that line was. Yeah. I was so incredibly impressed by his performance. Best actress. Cynthia Ervio, Bad Times of the El Royale. Okay. Kiki Lane, If Beale Street Could Talk. Mm-hmm. Lady Gaga, A Star is Born. Mm-hmm. Olivia Coleman, The Favorite. Mm-hmm. And Tony Collette, Hereditary. Interesting. <clears throat> Olivia Coleman, The Favorite. Lady Gaga, A Star is Born. Tony Collette, Hereditary. <sighs> I don't know how to pronounce her name. Yalitza Aparicio? I think it's a rap. We tried. I'm I'm so sorry. Yalitza. Uh, Roma. Yeah. Laura Harrier? Black Klansman. Okay. The, 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 the girlfriend... I have no memory of her. Really? I thought about that movie today, and I was trying to remember if there was, like, a female in it, and I couldn't remember one. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's really interesting. Huh. Who'd you give it to? Lady Gaga, A Star is Born. I figured. Okay. Okay. So, I walked into the theater for A Star is Born. I turned to Nick, and I'm like, I swear to God, if Lady Gaga wins Best Actress... For this movie, I'm going to be so mad. No way she should win Best Actress for this. And then cut, smash cut to Golden Globes night, me jumping out of my couch when uh, Glenn Close won and yelling very loudly, no, Lady Gaga deserves it, and then going on a Twitter rant. I think she's so good in that movie. Heartbreaking. I think... I think the, the the greatest compliment that I can give mm-hmm. her performance, um, and I read the same thing in Entertainment Weekly the other night, um, is that I forgot she was Lady Gaga. Yeah. I forgot that she was a global superstar. Well, one of my favorite m- things you said to me about the movie is when that moment where she comes out and she sings Shallow, mm-hmm. and she has that big belting note. It was like... <gasps> Oh my God! She, she can sing. She can sing well, and it's like, oh wait, that's Lady Gaga. But we've known this since what two thousand and eight. Yeah, yeah. We've no. known we've known Lady Gaga for eleven years. We know she has a great voice for eleven years. Yeah, but you like she she was incredible. She was phenomenal. Yeah. She did not win for me though. I knew she wasn't going to. She was a close second. Okay, I will not lie. But I had to give it to Tony Collette for Hereditary. No, no. Tony Collette was so good but she did not have i gave it to lady gaga over everyone else Mm -hmm. because of the raw emotion she brought to the role but i i say the exact same thing of tony collette i don't think it was as raw oh i i the i think her performance is the definition of raw for sure her the the scene where she yells at her son and her husband at the dinner table. Oh, it's, it's, it's the un- scene when well, can the I, scene can I when interrupt you for a second. Me complaining about you giving it to Tony Collette. Let's just remember, I nominated her for best actress. I think she was absolutely brilliant. So, like, I'm not like 
I don't. We don't need to def- de- defend either of their works really, because mm-hmm. we both appreciate. We just appreciated one a little better than the other. That is true. That is true. Except Rami Malek. No, please stop. <laughs> I just. I was so blown away by her yeah. performance. It was. It gave me chills both the first time I watched it and the second time I watched it when I knew everything that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. It was just so powerful and. Yeah. So good. So, so good. good. Okay. Best director. Director. Do you want to go first? You go first. It's oh, your turn. All right. I got a, an unusual one. Okay. Up first. Orson Welles. Oh my god. The other side of the wind. Spike Lee, Black Klansman. Damien Chazelle, First Man. Ooh, interesting. Bradley Cooper, A Star is Born. And Adam McKay for Vice. Interesting. Alfonso Cuaron, Roma. Mm-hmm. Barry Jenkins, If Beale Street Could Talk. Mm-hmm. Bradley Cooper, A Star is Born. Damien Chazelle, First Man. Interesting. Drew Goddard, Bad Times at the El Royale. Interesting. And who did you give it to? Let me preface my answer by okay. saying all five of these men... Uh, Deserve it. But I'd also like to go on my soapbox for a split second. Okay. Looking at my list of movies that I've seen this year, I did not see one movie by a female director. Mm. And as someone who wants to support, as people who enjoy movies, we should be supporting diversity in who makes them. Mm-hmm. And I know I will be seeing at least one next year directed by, um, who, by the woman who's directed Captain Marvel. Yes, yes. But I think we also need to challenge ourselves as moviegoers to make sure that we are seeing movies not just by men. Very true, very true. Sorry for my soapbox. No, don't need to apologize for that. But Bradley Cooper, A Star is Born. Interesting. Why'd you give it to him? I think it was between him and Alfonso Cuaron. Mm -hmm. And I think... The, the naturalism he brought to the movie. Mm-hmm. I, f- I forgot at times I was watching a movie and I felt like I was just watching these two people's lives. Mm-hmm. And for a first-time director to be able to bring such raw emotion to a film, mm-hmm. I think is spectacular. Mm-hmm. I think that he... It really just goes down to... If you hear music in the background, we're right next to the radio station, so that's where that's coming from. So you have a nice little soundtrack to this yeah. this discussion. No, it's the the raw emotion he brought to this film, mm-hmm. the realism he brought to this film, the performance he brought to his film. And he didn't hold anything back. He just brought that's... raw emotion to it, and I just... I, I It was just so impressive. I think that's very fair. Yeah. Um... I think my choice is going to surprise you because it surprised me. Spike Lee for Black Klansman. I had not... He was my last person. Really? Off of my list, yeah. I had not expected when I wrote up my nominations that I would end up picking him. Because that's how I did this. I, I found out all my nominations and then, you know, went from there. I did not anticipate him to win, but I could not argue with his uncompromising vision mm-hmm. for the film. That's fair. And and I think we know that he's such an uncompromising director with 
just such a, a, a solid vision of what he wanted the movie to be. And I think the last few minutes of Black Klansman were some of the most deeply impacting yeah. images that ha- I have seen in a movie in a really long time. And I, I have to, to honor the, the guts that it took to, to do that. Yeah, I think. Yeah, you can't go wrong with Spike Lee there. No, I, I no. don't think so. And now, for the moment, You've we've all, all been waiting for. Do you want? Do you want to say, say we've? But it's fine. I guess they've been waiting for it. Is our 2018 Best Picture nominees? And now I'm gonna. What tell a sad m- drum roll that was. <laughs> Please stop. Um, I, now I'm going to sound like a total hypocrite because I only nominated nine films. I also nominated nine. Oh, okay. So my nine are A Star is Born. Okay. A Quiet Place. Interesting. Bad Times at the El Royale. First Man. If Beale Street Could Talk. Roma. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Vice. And Widows. Interesting. My nine are Black Klansman. Bohemian Rhapsody, Green Book, A Star is Born, First Man, The Favorite, Bad Times at the El Royale, The Other Side of the Wind, and Vice. Interesting. What's your winner? My winner. Wait, wait, did you say Bad Times at the El Royale? Yes. Okay. That's not my winner. I know. Just making sure. My winner is Green Book. Wow. Okay. Yes. I was I was surprised too. But when I when I left the movie theater after seeing Green Book, I'd seen a movie that had made me laugh. I'd seen a movie that had it didn't make me actually cry, but I'll use it as figuratively. Only Bohemian Rhapsody did that. Well, yes, year. I want to talk about that in a second because I haven't had a chance yeah. to to say my piece about Bohemian Rhapsody. Um I'd seen the movie that made me laugh. Mm-hmm. I'd seen the movie that made me cry. I'd seen the movie that told a fascinating story, so well performed by both Mahershala Ali and Viggo Mortensen. I I loved every minute of Green Book, and I, I can't wait to see it again. And for what it's worth, for what it is worth, my mom and I went to see Green Book together, and she was of the opinion that Green Book was probably the best movie that she has seen since the King's Speech. So take that for what you will. I have to pick one. Have you not picked one yet? <laughs> no. Oh, no. I have to pick a movie. <laughs> well, you gotta you gotta do this quick. But, like, the thing is, if I say it, it's gonna be on the internet forever. And so I can't change my mind. That is correct. Oh, God. So, pick quick, but pick well. Oh, no. Okay. I will also advise you that we are at an hour 23 minutes. Okay. So. I really, 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 really want to give this award to A Star is Born. Okay. I really want to give it to A Star is Born. I think A Star is Born is an incredible, emotionally raw film. Mm-hmm. I loved it so much. It made me cry. And it made me like fall in love 
It was beautiful. But I have to give it to Bad Times at the El Royale. Interesting. I have to. Because... It was your favorite movie of the it year. It was my by far my favorite movie of the year. It was fun. Mm-hmm. Action-packed. But on a pure technical level, mm-hmm. it was also one of the most well-made movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. The, the I, I've already talked about it, but they had to develop a new... Um, a new way to create a tracking shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cynthia Ervio filmed her her scene <coughs> singing forty times in mm-hmm. one night, and they had to time all the camera work to her singing so she couldn't mess up because they were all one takes. Mm-hmm. The way they the set was built, everything about it, it was magnificent. And I really I love A Star Is Born so much, and I want it to win Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Next week. But Bad Times at the El Royale kept my attention and never let go. Mm-hmm. A Star is Born, I was slipping in and out. Interesting. It's a beautiful movie, but because they were both so technically well-made and I think equal, mm-hmm. I had to give it to the movie I enjoy more, and it's Bad Times at the El Royale. Interesting. You're welcome, Drew Goddard. I know this is the biggest privilege and honor of your life, and I want to say, cast me in your next film. Okay. <laughs> Was that desperate? Only a little bit. Awesome. Only, That's, only a little bit. That is what I'm shooting for. Only just, just a little, a, just a little desperate. Just so you can hear it, but know that, like, at the end of the day, I'll be fine. <laughs> good, <laughs> good. Right. Um, my quick, my quick ten second piece about Bohemian Rhapsody because yeah. I haven't gotten around to it yet. Um, I've never felt as immersed in a film. As I did the entirety of the um, Live Aid performance mm-hmm. sequence that ended the film. Uh, and just for 20 minutes, I felt like I was at Live Aid. And you I sobbed. felt like I, and I, I did sob. Um, and that's the correct word for it. I sobbed. It, it was really funny. Um, I felt like I was there. Yeah. And it was, it was such a poignant, poignant moment just for me. And I understand people not liking the movie. I can understand all the problems that people have with it. But it is it is the hill I am willing to die on. That it is a movie I enjoyed immensely. Mm-hmm. Just because it it connected and resonated with me personally more than any movie, mm-hmm. any other movie did in 2018. Now, I just want to give one honorable mention because I came so close to giving it the final slot, but mm-hmm. I just knew I couldn't. Overlord was so oh, much fun. My goodness. And I know it's not a good movie, but like I also love it so much. Mm-hmm. And like I thought the acting was great and the story was great and mm-hmm. like the way it was filmed was great and the cinematography was great. And I know it's tech like really not a good movie. But, it's a lot of fun, but though. But it's so much fun. Well, I'm glad that you talked about Overlord, because I have to say that it was real hard for me to not put the Meg in every <laughs> category. Um for for this okay don't compare don't even put overlord in the same sentence as the meg fair overlord was a far superior movie to the meg but the meg was also some of the most fun i had at the movies this yeah. year and i mean i think that they're already talking about a sequel and that's fine by me i will watch jason statham you'll watch any fight shark a movie. giant shark 
If there's a giant shark in a film, you'll watch it. Yes, I will be there for for um. Sharknado Seven. No, <laughs> but uh, Tommy Wiseau's new shark oh, movie. God, okay. I'm, I'm there before for it. before we start talking about Tommy Wiseau, let's start wrapping up. Bef- yeah, before we go down that rabbit hole. So we hope to uh, make it a regular feature on this podcast that before we sign off for each episode, we will both provide a movie recommendation and since today is valentine's day yes it is uh i'm single ladies we'll cut that out thank you (laughs) um and since it is valentine's day we have decided to do rom-coms and i think we have picked two very different rom-coms my rom-com isn't what you would expect it to be it is the 2014 sci-fi film, The One I Love. Now, I'm telling you it is a sci-fi film. Wait, can I just... I'm going to retake that. Okay. This is what's great about editing. Yeah. Okay. The film I am recommending to you today is the 2014 film starring Mark Duplass, Elizabeth Moss, and Ted Danson, The One I Love. Elizabeth Moss and Mark Duplass play a couple who are going through issues in their marriage, and their couple's counselor, played by Ted Danson, tells them to go on a retreat for the weekend. Now, that is all I can tell you, and that is the first five minutes of the movie. Interesting. I'm going to leave a little mystery out there. How, how can you continue to sell this movie? I can't. I can't can. tell you. I literally the the way so the way the way I sell this film is I can't tell you what it's about. So we have to just blindly take your recommendation. Well, don't just. It has an eighty-one percent Rotten Tomatoes and has two incredible actors in it and Ted Danson. Ooh. Ooh. Well, he's only in it for like three minutes. That's harsh. He's only in it for three minutes. Okay. Okay. I'm sure it's an incredible three minutes. I literally can't. Like, I wish I could tell you more about this movie, but if I tell you anything past the five-minute mark, we go into spoiler territory. Interesting. Don't watch the trailer. Don't look it up. Just trust me. Go and watch it. You will not be disappointed. Interesting. Well, my rom-com nomination or recommendation is 1972's What's Up, Doc? As directed, we went in very different directions. As directed by Peter Bogdanovich and starring Barbara Streisand, Ryan O'Neill, and Madeline Kahn. Um, this is by far one of the most purely joyful movies that I have ever seen, and I return to it again and again whenever I'm looking for a good laugh. Um, it's part farce, part... Um, car chase movie um ryan o'neill plays one of the funniest characters i think i've ever seen in the movie and the romance between him and barbara streisand is so funny and so so magical um it's a it's a movie that i saw quite young and i just returned to again and again i cannot recommend it enough it's so funny and just just a lot of fun if you're looking for a a, a fun older rom-com that you've probably never seen so 
Thank you for uh, bearing with us yes. for our first episode. You, you've, you've, you've been in for the long haul. We're at ninety-one minutes. We are hope. We're, we're going to come get it down a little, a little under ninety-one minutes. Yes, hopeful. hopeful. Or, or this is just going to be the the the, the standard. Who knows? Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Um. So as I said, this is going to be a, a semi-regular thing. We hope to bi-weekly. We hope to be back two weeks from now. Uh, invariably talking about um, whatever movies we've mm-hmm. seen most recently, Oscar Fallout, because I'm sure there'll be some... Things I am angry about, because I'm sure that will happen. Things that I'm angry about, because I'm sure that will happen. Yeah, we'll have a lot to discuss, because if our nominations are anything to go off of, um, our, we did not overlap on any winners. Nope. So we have very different tastes when it comes to movies. Yeah. Um, so there'll be... But we both love movies. That is true. Um... And uh, if you uh, want to follow us on the social medias, we are at we are we are on Twitter. We are on Twitter. Our uh, 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 tr- if you look up there will be film. Mm-hmm. We should come up. We are also at there. No, under- it's, uh, it's at I, film underscore, underscore there. there. There is T H E R E. We already ran to issues with people not knowing which there it is. Use context clues. We we should know at, at at once you get into high school you should know which there to use and if I am putting you off by telling you that you're dumb for not knowing, deal with it. Harsh, <laughs> you real harsh. Kn- you should know twos and theirs. That's real harsh. Um, <laughs> I stand by it. Okay, but you you sent me an email a couple days ago where you used the wrong two. So I also told you. I also right back at you. I also um. Told you your book had mediocre reviews in that email, so I'm not a great person. True. Um, well, as we spiral into um, personal insults, passive aggressive insults, which will very possibly lead to to mild violence, I say that this is a good time to sign off. Um, thank you again for listening to this, the inaugural episode of There Will Be Film. And we hope to hear you back, or we hope to... We'll figure out our sign-off in the next two weeks. we hope to be back two weeks from now, or somewhere in the next two weeks. Uh, My name is Nick. I am Charlie. And this has been... There There Will Will Be Film. Film.